74 Tango Whiskey, 2.6 for 3,000, uh, 140 on to Frequent Flyer here. It is Friday, April 21, 2022 here. First time in a long time we're sitting down to do a show. It's only been a couple, day for the, uh, couple days for the listeners, but it's uh, been quite a few weeks since we uh, sat down and as the, uh, you know, the off-season gets underway, old Dave Scott stepping down. I actually think that happened a couple days after we recorded the last time, so I don't know if we've actually talked about that one yet, but... We got a whole lot of shit to get into as the off-season gets underway, and to help me tonight, the Brotherly Pod co-co-hosts of the year, Mike Asito and Manny Benavidez. Manny, what's going on? What's going on, fellow Brotherly Pod award winners? And by the way, Dan, I have to take umbrage with you. We, we're not going to see eye to eye on this, but you are a vital cog in our frequent flyer team, so you have to put your name in there too. Because without Agreed. you, we don't have frequent flyer. Mike, congratulations. Dan, congratulations. Listeners, thank you very much. Welcome to the exit interview edition of Brotherly Pod's frequent flyer. I'm sure there'll be lots of little nuggets. I'm sure that some people will be combing over our comments with a fine-tooth comb, trying to figure out the ins and outs, the ups and downs of what's going on with this Flyers team. But don't worry, we're going to break it all down for you. It's a co-host of the year award. I'm the I'm the host. I have to award my my co-hosts. You see, <laughs> that's why I can't get myself contributor of the year either. That's that's too pompous, even for me. <laughs> and uh, Mike Asito is back as always. Mike, what's going on? Hello, good evening, gentlemen. Great to be with you as always. And um, yeah, thank you very much for the award, Dan. It's um, it's been fantastic with you guys, and looking forward to many more here. And we're gonna keep on drilling down into this team. Don't worry, listeners. We have you. We have this team covered like the back of our hand. So let's get rolling. And, well, a lot to talk about. The regular season comes to an end. I don't even know what they finished at. I would need to look that up, what their record was. But uh, obviously not very good. I think slightly better than last year. They had, what, 29 wins? Did they did they crack 30? Flyers schedule. Yeah, that'll get me there. Why not? What was the over-under on points? Because I think we discussed that. Is 74 and a half, I think it was, by Vegas to start the year? Something like that, yeah. And we finished with 75. I think I, I was the lowest. I said 67 or something. Oh, 31, 38, and 13 for 75 points, which was uh, second worst in the Metro Division. It's not bad enough. Playoffs by 20-some points. Yeah, just about 20 points. <sighs> Another successful season. Remember when the Flyers made the playoffs every year? I know our, long, our uh, younger listeners won't believe that, but there was a time when the Flyers uh, were a playoff team every year. And they had a chance every year. Eh? They had a decent chance and some good players. But, <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, what are you guys' end-of-the-season thoughts here? You know, I was I was thinking about this as a topic to kind of – try to wrap up what we saw here, what expectations were. And at least to me, I think this season was actually less productive than a lot of people are saying it was. You know, a lot of folks are like, oh, well, we got to find out about all of these young players and whatnot. And, you know, I don't think we all, I don't think we found out all that much. You know, we already knew where the veterans stood. If you've been here longer than a year, then you knew what Kevin Hayes was. You knew what Ivan Provorov was and the list goes on. But I think to a large extent, it's it's really the GM's job to know the roster and determine who is here and who isn't. And basically what we had was a guy in John Tortorella who came in who didn't know what was going on. And because Chuck Fletcher was incompetent, they just conceded the whole year to letting John figure out what he had. But that's really the job of the general manager. So 
I think that was unproductive. And I think there was more wasted time here as well because there was no meaningful roster liquidation. The trade deadline was a complete wash, not productive whatsoever. And at the exit interviews, we saw this team bragging about how they kept games more competitive and they tried harder for longer stretches. But that should be a given in professional sports. And if that's your takeaway from the season, oh, we started to figure out <laughs> how to try harder and not lose by as much, you know, I'm not sure you really gain a lot of productivity out of that stuff. It's a very overarching question that we're going to break down, you know, kind of individual piece by piece over the next few hours here. Um, but, you know, Briere and Tortorella and, and assessment periods and all this shit, you know, it, it really does kind of... There were a lot of individual positives this year. There were, you know, from, from an on-ice perspective on a very micro scale, there were, you know, a lot of building blocks with the youth, Noah Cates and Owen Tippett. And, you know, Travis Konechny had a, his first uh, good season in seven years in the NHL. You know, you had some positives in building blocks. But then you go into the off season here and it's about kind of taking that next step. And I feel like that's something we've been talking about for months at this point is, is, taking the positives of this season and then adding on them going to next year. And that's where this whole fucking process feel like it stalls, right? It is now you're going to a new GM, whether it's Briere and a president who's going to be some former flyer. And it's just, and now we got to wait for another, it's just, uh, you, you took the positives, but Briere and, and he's been very negative. I, I don't really think he's, I mean, not negative is the right word, but he has not seemed to, lean heavily into the everything was great and there were good positive takeaways. His whole message has been like, fuck you, we still suck. You know, it's like, this is going to take forever and we need to rebuild. And I don't know, man, it's just, there were positives this year and it just feels like nobody within the front office is selling it as that, you know, and they're not competitive enough to win a cup anytime soon. By no means is that true, but this was the first time they had a noteworthy positive season in years at this point. And, and it just feels like, all the on-ice stuff gets totally washed away by everything that is going on in the front office and the potential now stall in the plans of continuing to move forward from that. So the positives were there. It's more just a matter of whether or not they capitalize from here on out, and that's the part that I'm skeptical of. Yeah, I'm going to bridge the gap between both of your takes there. I, I think where Mike is correct and where I agree with him is we were calling for, you know, big changes and a shift in direction of like two years ago, maybe more, yeah. two and a half, maybe even longer than that. <laughs> and uh, it's taken them this long to figure out that the GM sucked, that they needed to switch gears and change directions. And now we're starting to finally, hopefully, put some rubber on the road and start to go down that path. Dan, on your point of view, you're right. There's there is positives. Owen Tippett, Kate's you mentioned all the players that have that have taken strides, but then it's about next steps. And it's about okay, so what's the outlook going into next year? Because next year, I don't believe in having the same goals and the same outlook as this year. Mm-hmm. I think that the, you gotta add something. And, and give the players, the team, the coaches, and everybody something to strive towards and something to go towards. And I'm not 100% sure what that is yet. And it hasn't been communicated yet. Um, but, um, you know, the, uh, there's still some time. And I don't anticipate, you know, additions in the offseason. We've, we've talked about subtractions. I, at this point, want to see a move, whether it's Provorov, whether it's Hayes or whether it's, you know, somebody else. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I want to see one of them moved. One, if they can. Or D'Angelo, I think, would be the other one. How about all of them? I want to see, I want to see one of those three. Three quarters of this roster. I'm ready for change. I don't want to see any of these fucking people come back again. God, I'm going to run mm-hmm. it back. And see, that's like, that is the thing. 
with this this Briere character and his messaging is is he's been very straightforward, you know, preaching stuff torn right out of the book of Ron Hextall Propaganda 101, right? It, it hey, this is going to suck. We need patience. We're going to take our time and get this right. And I hear that and I go, "Oh my god, nothing's going to get done this summer." It is like uh, fucking Yeah. You can move stuff, right? You can, but when you're talking about a rebuild, that means that external options are off the table. No Alex DeBrincat, no Vladimir Tarasenko, no Tyler Bertuzzi, not no nobody off the table. We can't add anybody, Dan. We got to rebuild. Theoretically, though, that means that you then flip the roster players for assets. But this is where the hangup happens, and again, this is the Chuck Fletcher Bingo. PTSD happening. Well, we don't want to retain half of Hayes' contract, and we can't get somebody to take D'Angelo at full price in the summer, and we can't find proper value for a connect near Provorov, and all of a sudden we're sitting here with the same exact fucking roster we just had, and we're going to run it back next season. And, like, that, that, that sucks. And it feels like the most likely outcome. And you know, it doesn't fucking help that Danny Breyer is here, who was a Chuck Fletcher disciple, who we just saw stumble over the fucking trade deadline with the same excuses. You know, he's a Chuck Fletcher disciple preaching Ron Hextall gospel. Fuck, it is such a bad combination. And it's all this 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 verbiage that he's using, that this organization is using, that Tortorella's doing the same thing. And it's just like, mm, I don't I don't like the the direction they've t- kind of turn to this ship verbally when it feels like they should be making all these big changes, but at the end of the day, they're leaving enough room right there to fuck us in the end and run this team back again, and I don't like that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right, Dan, and I think that kind of the old adage that actions speak louder than words in this circumstance, and you know, we won't know that for a little while here, but there could be some glimpses that they're trying to cheapen this rebuild because they really need to liquidate. I mean... You can't come back, like you mentioned, with a lot of these guys and have the excuses that Fletcher did that we couldn't make moves because it takes two to tango and every cliche in the book about why something can't be done. And it kind of goes back to, you know, if you look at Ivan Provorov as an example here, I mean, a lot of the rationale that we've heard about the Flyers in why they haven't moved him yet is because they can't get back equal value for him, which is pretty much the excuse right now. And... I mean, doesn't that mean that they're not rebuilding? I mean, don't rebuilding teams have to start out by getting rid of guys and it's not going to be a player for player return. So you may not, you know, get that ice time back right away, but you trade him for prospects and draft picks and right, right. And not that I want to do all that all the time, but if you are going to actually do the rebuild and do it the right way, like Danny, that's what rebuilding is. Yeah, then you need to take a step back sometimes and you trade Provorov and and other guys for picks in the hopes of of you know hitting the jackpot on a couple of these guys. Um uh, that's what this is all about and so far we have seen none of that. We've you know we've heard a bunch of clichés and chatter at these press conferences but you know and it's going to take some time I guess until we get to the summer but um you know those actions are going to be really important to justify these messages. Yeah, and I mean, going to Danny Briere's end of the season kind of press conference, he made it a point to say, uh, I used the word rebuild. I wasn't afraid to use that word. And that's great. And uh, I don't want to judge him too much because he still has the interim tag. And until he gets that removed, if he gets that removed, then we can we can dive into it a little bit further. But Using that word rebuild kind of is the built in, you know, I don't want to know say excuse is the right word, but it's the strategy of we're going to bring all these pieces back. We're going to try to get rid of a player, maybe two, the subtraction that John Tortorella talks about, but it kind of builds it in that, you know, don't be surprised if, you know, the majority of these, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Island of Misfit Toys uh, characters are still back here next year. And in a way, that's kind of expected. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not what I would want. But they can fall back on, again, it's that Ron Hextall mentality of it's not go time. 
it's not time yet. We're not ready. We can't go out and get that shiny toy. We can't go out and make this trade. We can't trade this player. He also said in that same uh, interview at the end of the season, Travis Konechny is a great player. He's a top line player. And that leads me to believe that I don't see them trying to move that guy. So it's not a rebound at all, at all. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> which is scary because, you know, two years from now, you know, if he gets 30 goals again next year and then 30 the year after that, he's going to be demanding. Yeah. All these fucking idiots plus. that are in my mentions right now crying about, we have to pay Alex to bring cat if we want to get him. Or they're going to be jumping up and down in the fucking streets in two years from now when they pay Travis Connecting $9 million a season. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. It's a, we're gonna rebuild, but we can't trade Konechny. We're gonna rebuild, but we don't want to trade Provorov. We're gonna rebuild, but we're gonna chicken out and trading D'Angelo. We're gonna smooth over mm-hmm. our differences with that one. It's just like, so you're not fucking rebuilding then. Like, we're just sitting here in the same shitty fucking diaper we've been in for ten years now, and you don't want to tank, so we're not gonna get anything at. We still got, I guess, a you know, a couple weeks here before the draft lottery, but uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how they do this because you're right, Dan. They are setting the stage to give themselves leeway for doing nothing later. And they're also setting the stage to give themselves leeway for taking chances, which is what we want them to do. But if they come into this offseason and they've already laid the groundwork to say it's going to take time, it's going to be painful, next year is going to be difficult, all those sort of things – Um, in addition to all of the talk about how we like what our young players did last year and all that crap, then – they may not need to do anything this off season because they've already said that it's going to take time and yeah, exactly. they just bought themselves time. Yep. So it's like, there is, you know, it's a fine line there and it really got, I mean, the hammer is going to come down really, really hard on whoever is in this front office come probably, you know, early August will have a good idea as to what direction they've done, what actions they've taken and what they're not going to do. Yeah. We'll learn real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this offseason. I'm going to be interested to see if they do run it back and fuck this up. I know there are a lot of fans that are kind of buying into Briere, but I don't think people are going to take it this time around, you know, being being fucked like they did in the Hextall era. I, I think you need some kind of momentum. And quite frankly, I don't even give a shit if they add. You know, I'll play devil's advocate for bringing in somebody like Debrincad because I think they could use him desperately. But at this point, all you have to do is subtract quite a few players and then just bring up Forrester, bring up Brink, bring up Danoye, Adderds, like those guys are ready to make the jump. And I've talked about this on the Anthony show a couple times where that would be my ideal approach to next season. If you want to rebuild without actually rebuilding, you sell off guys like Provorov and Connecting, you garner some assets, but you just replace them with the people that are already on your fucking team. And then you run it back very similarly to this year and you go, well, Tippett did this and Tippett did that. Now you can do that with Forrester. Well, Forrester did this, and he did that. And then by the end of next season, you have a pretty good idea spanning both your younger guys and your now veteran younger guys, you know, your actual rookies and your your, your two or three players. Who can fit and who doesn't? Next summer you go in, you start making changes. Hopefully by that point, you know, Gautier's ready to jump in, and then you can go into the offseason and start making moves. That would be my ideal approach going into next season. I would not... I'm not against pissing away another year if it's in the name of progress for the prospects already in this system. I am against pissing away another year if you're bringing Konechny and Provorov and Sanheim and D'Angelo, and this roster is just running back for another year just for John Tortorella to have a fucking brain hemorrhage behind the bench. You know, like, I don't... It's just... Their approach is going to be very, very interesting. As Mike alluded to, they are setting, sowing the seeds here for, well, it's going to take time, so we can't do nothing right now. I had somebody on fucking Twitter the other day that was like, well, we can't judge John Tortorella yet until his contract is up. And I'm like, fuck you! Okay? <laughs> like, that is the kind of shit. Just years and years with zero accountability. That is how Ron Hextall made his fucking career for all five years he was here, is because he sowed the seeds originally that, hey, we're not going to be competitive anytime soon. This is going to be a 10 to 15 year process so he can piss away five full fucking years doing nothing and nobody goddamn criticized him for it. I just, it's so, mm, they're setting themselves up to do the same thing here. And it frustrates the absolute shit out of me that you can see where this fucking train is going right now. And it just, don't forget, he did that in Pittsburgh, too. Yeah. he got fucking fired. 
because Pittsburgh and the Fenway Sports Group sat there and they were like, dude, we asked you for a plan. And you said that you couldn't articulate it on paper. Remember, it's in his head. <laughs> yeah. he didn't want, and you know what? They went in and granted, they didn't make the, those hires. They didn't hire Brian Burke and they didn't hire Ron Hextall. But they made it clear that, you know what? You aren't our guys and you didn't make the playoffs. So you know what? You're useless to us. Goodbye. Done. And that's the way that I, you know what? I hate the Penguins, but I can respect that type of ownership because there is a clear goal. There is a clear direction yeah. and a plan of what they want for their organization. And Ron Hextall did not meet that expectation in the least. So they showed him the door right away. Him, and you know what? Brian Burke, I feel bad for because he was kind of collateral damage, but he wasn't their hire. So they're going to go out clean house and they're going to go hire the guys that they want. And that's it. And in a way, that's my issue with the organization in general is we take five years before we figure out somebody's completely useless. Yeah. Yeah. Job. At all levels, whether it's a player, coach, GM, yeah. owner, you know, yeah. like... <laughs> the guy that changes the, the you know, the, the, the urinal cakes in the, in the bathroom, yeah. medical yeah. staff. Yeah. I mean, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very tight. Well, I think at the end of the day, if they can get through the offseason and do one of two things or both, one, regain a lot of cap space or two, accumulate high end draft picks. And maybe that's probably before this draft, ideally, um, although it's rather late in the game now. They should have been thinking about this last offseason and at the trade deadline. Evidently, they weren't. But those are the two big themes that I'm looking at as we go into the summer are. Can we get a lot of cap space? If we can, that's a win and or obtain high-end draft picks to hopefully supplement or lead this roster sooner rather than later. See, but that this is where the whole they, – they said the word rebuild. Danny Breer said the word rebuild. And it sets the stage for, well, if we can trade these players, we will. And he mentioned, well, I heard the rumors too that you guys have meaning Kevin Hayes. But let's 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 look into our crystal ball here. If the Columbus Blue Jackets get first overall and draft Connor Bedard, they couldn't give two shits about Kevin Hayes. Let's be real. Kevin Hayes won't be on their radar again cuz they've got their center. If they fall to number 2, they get Fantilli they don't care. They're not going to go and get a guy with three years left on his deal when they've got this young stud coming up that's going to be pushing for a roster spot. Now, Russ Cohen did say that he thinks Fantilli's going to go back to college for one more year. Still, you're not going to go out and get Kevin Hayes to have on a roster making $7.1 million a and, year. Yeah, and if they do go out and get him, they're certainly not going to take his full cap hit at that price. And that's... that's... I, if they get Bedard or Fantilli, if you offered him at 3.5, I don't know why Columbus would take it. I don't think they've got much center depth. I'm pretty sure they could use him. But uh, I don't think, you know, if they lock, if they if they end up with one of those picks, they're not doing it at full price. And quite frankly, I don't expect them to do it at full price anyway. I fully expect uh, Kekalina to take Breer mm -hmm. to the woodshed on this one. But uh, Yeah, and there's another aspect on this too that I don't think anybody's talked about is, you know, Jarmo Kekalainen was a big fan of John Tortorella for a long time in Columbus. They had a great relationship. He was there forever, and I think he just left because it was time. It wasn't a particular incident or anything. Now, why would Kekalainen want a guy like Kevin Hayes, who very clearly has not responded to John Tortorella's style of coaching at all? And if Kekalainen respects John Tortorella and thinks he's a great coach, which he does— why would he want a player that Tortorella has discarded as being not a team guy, not accountable, not buying in, all that sort of stuff? It just doesn't seem like an attractive player for a guy that um, that Kekalainen has already seen the litmus test on. Yeah, like for me, I know that Chuck Fletcher was the guy that was in charge when those Kevin Hayes rumors came out. But assuming that they remove the interim tag and, and Danny Breer is the GM full-time. Which sounds like the plan. Yeah, I mean, there's still a part of me that is hesitant because, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, I really want the new president to have full control. You would and think. If he, and if he wants Breer, then that's fine. But if he doesn't, I think that that needs to be the way to go. 
if you're if I'm as a fan, I sit here and I go, okay, Danny Breer's never been a GM, never been an assistant GM. How is he gonna, you know, what trade can he make? And and everyone always says the first trade or two that you make, it's a learning experience because you're gonna learn how these GMs talk to you, what they say, what they mean. Uh, you know, holding their cards to their chest. They're not going to tell you everything. They're going to be working you and seeing if they can get a better deal out of you, especially a rookie GM like Danny Briere. And I'm not saying he's going to be good or bad at it, but to make a first move, I don't want that move to be Ivan Provorov because they need something significant coming back. Yeah. I don't want him getting schooled in an Ivan Provorov trade. I would rather that he trade either Hayes or Tony D'Angelo. And for me, Tony D'Angelo makes the most sense. They better fucking get rid of this guy. If he comes back next season, I'm going to be fucking furious. Like, no matter what you get for him, people can always come back to, well, Danny didn't get him, and he's freeing up cap space, and he's getting rid of a contract. And he's making moves. So no matter what, even if you get a a third round pick for him, it's still seen as, well, it's not that bad. Like you, it's not what you'd want back. You'd hopefully want to get a little bit more back to recoup those assets that you gave up. But in the grand scheme of things, whatever, I got a third round pick. Cut your losses and move on from this fucking guy. I got, I got rid of a guy that was benched for five straight games to end the season. Who cares? It's not a big deal. Kevin Hayes and Ivan Provorov, it's a different story. You do not want to get taken to the woodshed on on those deals. This fucking Tony D'Angelo guy. They better get rid of him. Everyone's talking, well, cap space and this and that and prospects. Guess what? You're to Tony D'Angelo. You bring up Ronnie Adder, who's more than ready to fill his role. He's just like Tony D'Angelo, except good at this thing. And you clear $4 million in the process because fucking Adder's not making any money. Like, there you go. Problem solved. You want to fucking all this haze and bullshit? You got D'Angelo. And you clearly have some problems with the guy behind the scenes that nobody wants to talk about. There is no fucking reason this guy should be back the next season. All these fucking idiot fans out there. There are a lot of people that uh, that want him back, and uh, they all have something in common. I just cannot see what it is that they fucking uh, have in common there, but the reality of the situation is is that he's the first guy you should move this summer. Uh, fucking get, dump him for a pick or two. Yeah. Cut your losses. It's Chuck Fletcher's dumbass that made that call, even though Danny Breer was in the front office when he made it, but uh, you know, you just move the fuck on and, and, and cut your losses. There's no... That, that's probably the one guy this summer that if they bring him back, I'm going to be so fucking furious and Adder is in the AHL. Mm. Well, they had him. So he was, he was a healthy scratch for the last five games of the season inexplicably. Uh, and then I think Torts was asked about that at his press conference and during the games leading up to the end of the season and just would not give details as to why, they asked D'Angelo at the player exit interview as to why he would not give details. There was a lot of shade, but nobody actually said what was uh, going on there. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think it's going to come out at some point. Sooner it, or later, we'll should, hear about it. Yeah, it should come out at some point. It's highly unusual, highly unusual that that circumstance would play out here. And you know, I always kind of thought, and maybe I'm just conditioned because of the Hextall and Fletcher regimes coming back to back here, but that there's like some sort of collusion in the league to like not do business with the flyers or like take a stance to make them squirm, you know, before we're going to do anything with them. It just is like, I am not convinced again. And whether it's Briere or somebody else in here that the rest of the league is going to do business with them in a fair way. I mean, every other, like you take D'Angelo, for example, obviously had problems with John Tortorella here. Um, the guy has bad defensive metrics, horribly, horrible defensive mm-hmm. metrics this year, um, huge liability. And the rest of the league sees that who wants that, like, what value is on that? Even if he was on like a league minimum contract or, you know, a one year, $800,000 contract, maybe there's something there, but with the number that he's at, even in salary retention, there's a lot of damage in those goods. And I just don't see teams lining up at the door wanting that. And the teams that might be mildly interested in it, again, 
they are going to ask for the moon for this. They're going to probably ask for salary retention, draft picks in return, maybe other players as part of the deal. I don't think any trade or transaction is going to be easy for Danny Breer at all because, again, I think he's dealing from a position of weakness from the roster. There's not a lot of really attractive guys on this team that other teams are really going to want Sands, maybe a Travis Konechny or a Provorov at the right price. But other than that, you know, these guys aren't like, you know, going to make a big difference for new teams that they get onto here. So it's an uphill battle for Danny. It really is. Yeah. You got players that are going to be difficult to move like Hayes and, and D'Angelo. And then you got the players that if you want to move, you have to make sure are perfect trades in Konechny and Provorov. And then everyone else is just fucking worthless, you know, but um, I'm not convinced D'Angelo is completely unmovable. And the only reason I think he they have a chance to do it is because the right-handed defenseman market and free agency is so fucking bad this year. You got Matt Dumba, uh, Eric Johnson, Damon Severson, and I don't remember what the fucking fourth guy was off the top of my head, but it is it's a pretty lackluster group. So, you know, he's at the end of the day, he's still a right shot power play guy that's going to put up forty points. And if you have a semi decent defensive unit that is any team better than the Flyers. You may be able to get something out of him with only a one-year commitment of $5 million. And if the Flyers have to retain, so fucking be it. I'd rather just get rid of this guy and move on from your life. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what that happens. But uh, it all falls on the plate of Briere, and that is, uh, I guess, our next topic here is the presidency. The hiring process is underway. And uh, some pretty lackluster fucking names that are uh, circling in that little universe out there, is there not? It's either former Flyers... With a little experience or random people from across the league, sounds like they have uh, interviewed Cami Granado and Emily Costongue, whatever the fucking Christ her name is. I don't speak French. Uh, sure. <laughs> and uh, her claim to fame, by the way, is being uh, Marie Philippe Poulain's agent. So there you go. Um, I don't know. Uh, that Scott Mellenby's name has popped up. You know, some of the other. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, I, I think Doug Wilson was the Doug only Wilson's one that, another that one. I yeah, kind of liked, but the you know it's it sure Breer is still technically interim GM, but at this point it sure feels like he's just the full on GM, which makes his president search fucking ridiculously stupid that you're hiring a president who then has to inherit Breer as GM and John Tortorella as coach. You know, and it almost makes me, you know, Anthony talked about how they may be scaring away Ray Shiro because he wants to be GM. And it's like, you're really going to pass on Ray Shiro, who rebuilt the Penguins and currently built the Devils, the, the, the foundation the Devils are working on. You're passing on somebody like that who's a master rebuilder, which is apparently your fucking plan here, for fucking Danny Breyer to be GM. That infuriates me. And I think it's why the list of president candidates is so goddamn underwhelming is because nobody with any kind of fucking acclaim credentials is going to go, what the fuck am I going to be, you know, brought in to, you know, be second fiddle to Danny Briere and John Tortorella? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I wouldn't do that. You know, it's like. This whole process is so fucking ass backward here because they are hell bent on Danny Briere being in this fucking general manager role. And I just, not only does that set the roster construction up for shit, as we just alluded to, that this guy, this first time GM, now has to handle this fucking tumultuous roster that we're dealing with now and sort this shit out, but now you have to hire a president and nobody fucking wants to work for a guy that, <laughs> first time GM, that you're absolutely glued to. No, it's, it is fucking lunacy how this fucking front office construction is hiring right now. And and I think that's why these names are uh, so underwhelming, and it's probably why the, you know, hiring, uh, eventual hiring is going to be so underwhelming. And holy shit, it's just, it infuriates me because this was your chance. This was the fucking chance for this organization to clear the old guard, to get rid of these fucking people, start from scratch, bring in people that know what the fuck they're doing, and build this team up. And they're not doing that. We are going to live and die by fucking Danny Briere. That, ah, uh, that the, the fucking infuriates the shit out of me how this is going under, all because they just want to hitch their fucking wagon to Chuck Fletcher disciple Danny Briere. It's it's crazy. Is there any other team that has ever done anything like this? I can't think of one. No. <sighs> but, 
I don't think this has ever happened before that I can remember in uh, at least in Philadelphia sports um, across really any league. It is in an ass backwards way to approach staffing a front office. Uh, it, you know, it's not to say that Danny definitely can't do the job. He may be good at this. He may he be may, good. Emily yeah. Shuntengway may be good as our first time in her role. But you know what? Why take that fucking risk right now? Yeah. There, there's no guarantee with anybody you hire, right? No, even if you hire Ray Shiro and Jesus fucking Christ himself to come and manage this team, there's no, there, 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 there's no uh, sure thing that you're going to walk out better. But why not? Like, we don't want old hockey men in this role. Fuck, this is the time I want them to hire exclusively old hockey men that know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to this shit. I just... Mm, sitting here and, 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 and watching them go with these first-timers when you need experience, just... That, that's that's not the way to play this. It just isn't. And it's so fucking frustrating. Yeah, I mean... And this goes back to sort of what we was hinted at earlier in, in the episode is... For me, you hire a president of hockey operations, they have to be in charge fully, 100%. Comcast needs to have 100% faith that that person, whoever it may be, runs the entire hockey division. And they make all the calls in terms of the personnel mm -hmm. and who they're going to be working with and what the overall vision for the franchise is going to be. Well, it's way too early to tell, but Anthony DeMarco has been kind of saying that Ray Shiro is kind of hesitating and he's look, looking out there and he may, I believe he said that there may be another uh, team that he might be more interested in at this Back point. Back to the Penguins. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And again, that, that, that leads me down a road where it's one of two things, either number one, the president of hockey ops job here in Philadelphia isn't as appealing as many out there are saying that it is. Yep. And I think part of that is, do I get full control? Cause if you're going to name me president and then you don't give me the actual power, then you're just a figurehead. Yeah. You're just yeah. an empty husk. And uh, that's not what a president is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I want a president to come in to hire the general manager. And if it's Danny Briere, it's Danny Briere. But they get to make that call. Not Lafferty, not anybody else in the entire Comcast Spectacor organization. Not anybody at the Flyers, not John Tortorella, not anybody. It has to be the president. And right now we've got a head coach who's locked in for the next three years. We've got an interim GM who looks appears to be locked in in some capacity in this front office mm -hmm. and i think it should be president he'd be better off there but why would you want to go in and take this job as prestigious as it may be yep. if you don't have any control over who you're working with and mm -hmm. the team that is going to be working with you no. you need to pick your team to make the organization successful yeah it doesn't make any sense it is so it is so backwards here and not only that are all of these other positions already solidified for years down the line? But all the decisions have already been made. John Tortorella and Danny Breer have already been meeting for the past couple of months. They've already, you know, went up in the press box during games and made the decisions on all the players that they're going to get rid of and guys are going to try to bring in and all that stuff. So it's not even that these people are in place. It's that all the decisions have already been done. Yeah. So, if you're a president and you come in here and you're supposed to, this is hockey operations. You're <laughs> supposed to be involved, especially in this situation, given that this is an organization in transition right now, you are going to be involved in these decisions and have a huge say as to where this is going. And all the work's been done. So what is the point of coming in now? And you're just a figurehead. You're just sitting behind a desk and there's there's no decisions to be made. You've been left behind. Like, what appeal is that for anyone in the hockey market unless you don't have the requisite experience? Yeah, the first time opportunity the to otherwise. take that job. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. So it it's just it really, really does not look good. The structure is completely out of whack here. Um, again, not to say that it can't succeed, you know, a, a, uh, a broken clock is right 
at least twice a day. <laughs> so, but this is not the way you want to be ushering in this new era. It just really isn't. No, you you want to put your best foot forward and hire people that are capable of the job. And yeah, Briere and you know Cameron Ganado, they can make a team. They can turn this shit around. It's not impossible, but. You know, Chuck, this Danny Briere is just so fucking unappealing in this role as GM. It's just, it's the stigma of being around the Chuck Fletcher stink, you know, the musk that this guy fucking lingered all these years. You know, being in the front office for the last year during these fucking shitty moves that were made, and now Briere's at the helm. And Tortorella, you know, Briere is just the puppet at the end of Tortorella's marionette at this point. That's sure what it fucking feels like, is Tortorella's the one making the goddamn calls here, and Briere's just gonna bend to his will. They're on the same page, quote-unquote, but Briere is, is, I think, bowing down to the more experienced Tortorella, and it's just like... Yeah. Why didn't he do more? If Danny was involved in all this the past year, why the hell did he not do more to stop the Travis Sanheim contract from being extended? Why did he not do more to go in the offseason and say, look, why the hell are we getting Tony D'Angelo right now? What is going on here? It was just he was complicit with the entire because he was complicit with it. Yes, (laughs) it was. He was in favor of all these shitty moves. That's the problem. It, it, It just doesn't make any sense to me. How can you go into next season into this offseason? With everything being the exact same as it currently is right now, except Chuck Fletcher is not there, but everything else is the same. Yeah. Oh, and Dave Scott's not there, but he wasn't. He never <laughs> wasn't there to begin with. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, what's really changing here? It's the same people. Yep. What the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, just just listening to you, both of you talking about Danny. So I, I listened to his press conference at the end of the season here, and the one thing about it is. I didn't believe like the stuff that he says things like, Oh, Kevin Hayes is a six foot five player. And every team would want a guy like that on it. And it's like, Danny, I'm sorry, man, but I smell that. That's complete bullshit. (laughs) Like, I don't believe it. You need to make fans believe. And maybe that the way to do that is by action and actually doing moves. But I, I smelled that from a mile away. It just, it sounded, it, it was raunch. And if I can smell it as a fan and somebody who follows the team, other GMs are going to catch a whiff of that dead buzzard freaking from a long ways away. My thing with Danny is he's a very interesting name. And I just thought of this when you guys were, were, were having this discussion. So they named him as the interim and fans are all happy because it's our Danny. Mm -hmm. He's a former player. He's our guy. Remember all that playoff success, all the goals and stuff that he did. Remember all the great times that we had, the good teams that we had. 15 years ago. He's our Danny. And the thing that people are forgetting is let's put the shoe on the other foot. To Comcast, he's our Danny. That's true. He's the, he's the corporate guy. Yep. He's the guy that they sent to Wharton Business School. He's the guy that they sent to the main Mariners and gave him that position to go run that operation. He's our Danny. And that's a, a big problem is, is it the fans, Danny? Or is it the corporate underling, Danny? And I don't want him to be in that position where he has to be, you know, walk the line between the two to be Mm -hmm. a good GM. He's got to be his own man and he's got to be his own person. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm not necessarily sure that he's the total right guy at this time. I think there's a spot for him in the front office. I don't know if I'm ready for him to be the full-time GM. Quite frankly, he should be VP, if any, a perfect role right about now. He'd be a vice president. president. Yeah. And you bring in two people and know what the fuck they're doing for hockey ops for for president and GM and you let Briere be the liaison between the hockey and the fucking business side. Like that would ideally be the construction here. But no, they're going to put him in as GM. So, you know, your Comcast mouthpiece there is handling the day-to-day moves and you're going to bring in some inexperienced fuckwad for the fucking presidency there that won't fight back and you know, the, the path of mediocrity is going to continue. 
And mm-hmm. one thing that he said during his press conference that that did not resonate well with me was that he mentioned that the players are going to dictate how the rebuild goes. And I'm thinking wrong, absolutely wrong. <laughs> you don't keep waiting for these players with no elite level talent on your team that you're building around. That's the same phrase that Hextall and Fletcher said yep. ad nauseum. And they sat on their hands and did virtually nothing for for nine years, almost 10 years here. So I don't want the players dictating anything. I want the front office to have a clear vision and you make that team. I don't, I don't care if you have to sacrifice some guys or take a few steps backwards to take a few steps forward later, but I'm not going to let these players dictate anything else. They've been, so many guys have been here way too long past their stay, past their welcome that is not the kind of attitude that I want to hear. I want an active front office, one that is going to enforce their plan on how things are going to go here and not defer to, oh, well, let's see how this player does and we'll reassess, you know, in six years or something. That is not the way that I want a front office approaching this team anymore. And I thought that comment was just very, very ill-timed by him. There were a lot of those I, comments, both Breer and Tortorella that were like very Hextalian with everything and, and partially Fletcher. And it's just like, that that doesn't help <laughs> is this messaging that feels so painfully familiar of pretty bad years over the last little while. And, you know, just to fill in on Manny's point, I, I know I told the story to Flyers AD, but we have not done a show since, um, since uh, Dave Scott got, uh, you know, put in his resignation. And uh, there were all these f- fans that loved Danny Briere. Well, it's Danny Briere. We, I recognize that name. It's Danny Briere. Doesn't matter that he doesn't have any experience or his track record shit. He's Danny Briere. But when when they announced Scott was stepping down and that Hilferty was going to take his place, I had all kinds of fucking people on Twitter that go, well, who's Hilferty? What has he ever done? What's his experience? What's this with that? And I'm like, it's the same level of an experience between the two in their respective roles. But the only difference is you recognize one name and hate the other guy because you don't recognize his fucking name. It's just like... God, people still buy into this shit. It drives me fucking nuts how fucking simple some of these Flyers fans can be. What do you guys think about, and this was a topic that I wanted to bring up, and I think the guys on Snow the Goalie mentioned it too. I'm, I'm glad they did. But the people that are now deciding who to bring in for president, you have Dan Hilferty, who knows nothing about the hockey world. Great executive, knows nothing about the hockey world. You have Val Camillo, who is kind of the same way, but she's on the business side. And this role apparently has nothing to do with the business side. So there's that. You also have the uh, I forget the name of the firm, Modern or something, a, a staffing an executive staffing firm headed by Billy King. Um and uh, I forget the other guy's name, Neil Glaston, something like that, that assisted them in the coaching search, perhaps. Um, but those are the people and maybe some other folks at Modern who I don't know who they are, if they have any hockey experience. But from what I can tell, when you put all those names in the hopper there, not a single one of them knows a damn thing about the <laughs> NHL. So yeah. what's going on here? Because the, this role is about knowledge of the league and what you're doing in the league, how you want to function, how you do rebuild. It's a huge, huge role. So I'm not so sure we got the right people making that decision right now. Nope. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that Mike, because that wasn't my notes to to mention. It seems like there's two separate president searches. Shouldn't there just be one? Like if you go out and hire a firm headed by this guy from the 76ers who I don't know who he is. I've never, I don't watch basketball and I certainly don't watch the 76ers, but you're getting a basket. Okay. Forget the fact that he's doing a basketball guy. You've hired a firm to go out and look for options for your president of hockey ops. And then at the same time, you've got Hilferty and Camillo and other people involved in doing their own search a separate search. So they're both going to be coming up with candidates. Like why, why did you hire the the firm? If you didn't trust the firm, why did you hire them? Why don't you just go out and, and find out who you need? Unless they're trying to just get and expand and get this very diverse pool of people 
and then try to come together. But then at what point are you going to listen to the firm that you hired or are you going to listen to yourselves internally because, well, you're making the decision anyway? Like, why, why even go through that? Why have two separate searches? It just tells you that Comcast has way too much goddamn money. They're just throwing here. Just yeah. go, go find something. Uh, like, go here. You, I'm going to hire you now. Go, go do this. You go do this. Like it, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic here. And one that I hadn't really thought about until the flyers kind of put themselves in it is that when you get to this like maximum top level of the pyramid, at some point the buck has to stop and you're going to get people that don't know all that much about hockey, especially when you're starting over again, like they are. And I guess the main question is how do you figure out how to make an informed decision based upon people who do know the league, who do know the industry, who have that type of knowledge. And I don't, I don't get the sense that the flyers are really doing that. I mean, unless this modern firm has just amazing ties to the NHL, I don't know if they do or not. Um, I'm sure they have some people in there that have connections and they can conduct their staffing searches in this area, in this category of sports. But you have a lot of other decision makers that have absolutely no relationship to the league at all. And I think that's where a lot of the heartburn comes for me um, is that those people may have too much of a voice. And are they actually making an informed decision here or are they just trying to, you know, go through whatever executive hiring process is the flavor of the day? Yeah, it's 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 how you end up with names like Emily Shantangway in the first fucking place, right? You know, she just doesn't have it. It's nothing against her. I didn't know who this fucking chick was before a couple days ago. But, like, the track record just isn't there. She's just an, an up-and-coming name in the world as a sports agent, you know? And it's just, uh. She's an assistant GM with Vancouver. By the yeah. way, one of the teams that's in worse turmo- uh, turmoil than the Flyers are. So there you go. Let's go poach Cameron Ganado and Emily Shutterway from her front office that's in a bigger disaster than the Flyers. What could go see, wrong? See, and the puzzling thing for me is, so you're mentioning the, the agent background. And uh, listen, she got hired and apparently she was dazzling in her interviews in Vancouver. She's an assistant GM. So now she's going to be president. Yeah. And, yes. and from, and, nice. and from every and But meanwhile, Danny, no, you can't have him as president. Um, but the thing that I read about her and I didn't read much, but apparently she's awesome at negotiating contracts. That's the rumor. Yeah. So in other words, she should be the GM. You would think, She's not the president. So, like, so what she did the JT Miller one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she was there for that, but I yeah. think she might, she might have been part of the. You know what? We're not giving Bo Horvat eight million dollars a season. He can right. get lost. I heard she did. Yeah. So I went back and um, I watched her intro. Um, this is Emily Castingay. I watched her intro uh, press conference. I think it was over Zoom, like last year when she was hired by the Canucks and I was impressed um, with it. I I thought that she was a really good hire as an assistant general manager, but she's only been there for a year. And a lot of the press conference was about, you know, the opportunity here and um, learning the front office and getting that experience with Rutherford and all that sort of stuff. And that's great. But I don't think that you can just say, okay, well, I have a year as an AGM in Vancouver, which has been a complete mess. Therefore, I'm qualified to be the president of the Flyers. It, <laughs> it just it just is too much of a jump. The one thing that I did like that she did, I think she was criticized for um, for firing like a video analyst for incompetence, which I thought was kind of cool. So <laughs> if she wants to come in here and start laying down the law, I'd be game for that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, when you look at it from a high level here, I just I just think it's too much of a stretch here. And I think that this this type of role, it doesn't make sense, given what the Flyers need Uh, Mm -hmm. plain and Mm -hmm. simple. That's what I keep going back to. And when you pass up on guys like Ray Shiro with the experience and the rebuilding repertoire to fucking hire some chick. That doesn't, you know, that hasn't, doesn't have the experience. This, ah, why are you filling your front office with people that don't know what the fuck they're doing right now? Why? Why is that the fucking desire here from this team? What if they moved Danny, Danny to president and Emily to general manager? I still don't even know if that works because you have two people that are too inexperienced. 
Like you've got to have one. I feel like I'd be there. slightly better with that, but even still, yeah. the, the lack of experience sucks. Move yeah. Danny Breer yeah. to president and higher ratio for GM. But done. End of story. That's all you have to fucking do. Danny Breer that can sit there and give his handies to the fucking Comcast suits all day, and fucking Ray Shearer can run this team and figure this shit out. That's all I fucking want right now. Why is this so goddamn difficult to figure out? Oh my god. Yeah. It sucks. So they also have looked into, uh, I mentioned uh, Doug Wilson, who, what is he doing right? I know he was obviously the GM for the Sharks for like. Didn't he have some kind of like medical problem or something? Yeah, 15, I think he 18 was years. Ill. Yeah, I okay. think he was ill with, uh, with something. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, he would be a guy that I would look towards. I also heard Scott Mellenby yeah. is going to be interviewed or was interviewed. I, I wouldn't mind Former him. Former Flyer. He obviously has, yeah, former flyer. He has a player background. He also has some front office experience. I think he was hired by the Kings. He was what? He was an AGM in uh, Montreal for quite a few years, I think. Is he with yeah. St. Louis right now? I don't uh, know if he's with anyone. Yeah, I don't um, know if he's with anybody right now. Because I'm getting the, the I don't know. I my spidey sense says that Scott Mellenby might be the the favorite here right now. Mm. It does uh, what the appear the leaning is. He or uh, Emily Chatangoe. I think Mellonby's the favorite. Hmm. I don't. I don't know how serious. I mean, Cami Granado, I can see because she's got a you know a, a name in hockey, especially with USA Hockey, etc. I don't know. I don't know if that... Elliot Friedman on Thirty Two Thoughts said that some GMs are getting pissed off because other teams ask for permission for Hey, can we interview your assistant general manager? Hey, can we interview this person? Hey, can we interview this person? And they're like, you know, are you actually going to interview them like for real? Or is this just to kind of yeah. say that you interviewed them? And that's what I hope the Flyers are not doing. He is. A, Scott Mellonby is in St. Louis, by the way. He's a senior advisor to the GM. He's been there for all of nine months. Okay, so that's an interesting one. So that's a team that went out and traded Tarasenko. And they basically said, you know what? We're going to, you know, mini blow it up this year and reset we're going to trade ryan o'reilly we're going to do all this stuff and we're going to reset because we've got kairu and we've got other young pieces around rob thomas and etc and let's go through that's that's vision that's at least the direction and that gives me some hope that this could be a guy that could come into philadelphia and say okay here's what we have and this is what i kind of see going forward that's an interesting. Jo- I think he'd be the favorite right now. That's mm-hmm. just. I haven't really like heard from him much. Like, I think the guy that I'd like in present is somebody who's like aggressive, not afraid to pursue a particular angle on something, um, a go getter. Um, I don't know if Mellonby is like that. I just don't know him much because he's you know been in these secondary and tertiary roles with other organizations and you know he's he's not really a speaking figure in a lot of these places either so not really understanding kind of what his style is been part of some good regimes been part of some bad regimes if you look at his history um maybe i'd probably put a maybe on it but um I really want somebody that has a lot of those personality traits here. I don't want a passenger. Like that's the last thing I want on this. Cause we've had too many of them. I don't want a yes, man. Um, you know, so if he can satisfy that great, but, um, I'm, I'm still a little skeptical on him. He was in Montreal from, uh, well, he was an assistant general manager from 2014 to 2021, which is a hell of a long time in the background. Uh, and it doesn't get much more of a pressure cooker than Montreal. Mm-hmm. And he's an English speaker in, you know, a French speaking city. So that shows that he, he can handle himself at least like he, that, like that to me, that's an experience. That is an absolute asset of an experience there where you're, you're an English speaker and you're in a Francophone market, which is difficult. And Montreal is, Dude, they will. The fans will let you know if you're doing a shit job. They they will boo. They will they will make themselves known and heard. You have to be very aware with the fans in Montreal, 
And that would be a very tough job. Like that's a good experience. And for him to be there that long, maybe people in general need to start looking into Scott Mellon be a little bit more because this seems like a guy that could be ready for something more. You know, I don't know about a GM job. He's still a longtime assistant GM that's going to hop into a presidency role. That's true. But then you look, so let's put the shoe again on the other foot. Would, with that experience, wouldn't that be a good general manager? To, to a, a guy to give, you know, this is now yours. You're going to have the next few years to do whatever you want and move Danny to the front office to the, as the president. Danny's got the ties to Comcast. He's got the history with the Flyers. He could bridge the gap between the vision and, and the direction of the team and the reality of what's going on, you know, and work with the business side who they love Danny Briere. Like it, it just, it makes so much sense. It makes too much sense. And those dopes in the front office have to go and hire two search firms to go and fucking figure it out. That's the sad thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's another question for you guys. And this just came up recently by um, Frank Saravalli had a report um, that, they're potentially going to be this conflict of interest here yeah, with the double standard of the group they're hiring. <laughs> yeah. With the flyers. So apparently, so Neil Glassberg uh, of PBI sports, who we were, who were referencing a couple minutes ago, um, obviously is a consultant that the flyers have hired for their search. Um, but the problem is, is that Glassberg also represents um, other team executives and head coaches as, as their agent who are candidates for open positions. So he's kind of playing puppet master here as to, advising teams to hire his clients and that sort of thing. And, you know, as far as I know, there's really no code of ethics here that they abide by. It's not like, you know, he's an attorney or a doctor where there's, you know, very strict ethical guidelines here. So you can really represent whoever the hell you want. Um, A lot of times like in real estate, it happens where agents will represent buyers and sellers simultaneously in a transaction. Um, But it's interesting to kind of get you guys' thoughts on that. Do you think that could be problematic here where we're just going to get, you know, he's going to corner the market and we're going to lose out on other candidates because of it. Are you telling me there's shady shit happening in the Flyers front office? What? I don't know. I saw that report as well. And it's shocking. They're going to fuck something up because they're fucking nepotism at the end of the day. Woohoo. What else is new? It's the Philadelphia Flyers. We've been dealing with that for years. with fucking Chuck Fletcher and everyone that came out of fucking Minnesota. So... I feel like this should be more surprising than it is, but just dealing with the shit these days. No, it's just another day being the Flyers fan or doing something stupid. Conflict of interest. <laughs> the crazy thing is that they don't learn lessons. So looking at Pittsburgh. So there's a lesson to be learned here from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And and oh boy, did they ever learn a lesson Thank you, Ron Hextall, for going in there and making another ass of yourself in, in another Pennsylvania town. <laughs> so I'm reading the uh, the press release here on NHL.com. So February 9, 2021, the Pittsburgh Penguins hired both Brian Burke as president of Hockey Ops and Ron Hextall as general manager on the same day. So again, they selected a president and a GM. They didn't give that president full control to, you know what, take another month or, or you know, whatever, six weeks, however long you need. And I know that there was a trade deadline, whatever, coming up and all that. Figure out who you want and you make the hire. Nope. They hired both of them at the same time. Ownership before Fenway Sports Group bought them, picked both of them at the same time. That kind of is a harbinger for me. You need the president first. They hire the general manager. And then in a perfect world, the GM hires the coach. The coach is already here, though. That's how this should be done. Yeah, (laughs) perfectly, theoretically. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you build from the top down in this sense. But no! Not the fucking Philadelphia Flyers. We got a president, mm-hmm. we got a uh, GM, rather, and a coach ready to go. And just got to mm-hmm. hope that somebody wants to deal with fucking John Tortorella's bullshit and Breer's inexperience. That's all we got to do. How hard could it be when you're hiring firms that are known for nepotism? All right, everyone. We'll fucking wrap up this hour here. I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Plenty of flyer side chats coming up. We'll see who we can get on this week on the show. Plenty of shit up on the website, by the way, Puck.com. You can check that out now. Phantoms are getting their asses kicked into their ass, so there won't be any playoff games in the AFL. That's neat. And uh, at Dan the Flyer, being out, brotherly puck at brotherly underscore pod. Uh, Mike, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at flyer underscore AF. I'll see you there. And uh, Manny. At Manny Benavidez, and as always, BrotherlyPuck.com, Brotherly Pod, frequent flyer, award winner, along with my esteemed hosts and co-hosts. And, uh, you know, I don't know why everybody's making such a big deal about Lehigh Valley not getting a playoff game. I mean, how long has it been since Philadelphia's had one? Oh, but we're not upset about that. That's okay. Actually, it would have been the same year, right? It was 2018. Let's run it back, guys. Let's do the same thing all over again. See you again next year. Yeah, great. And on that note, everyone, goodbye and good night.